Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, your data husband, our daf of the day, Masachet Ta'anit, daf Yotet, page 19. But on page 19, we really have a new parak, namely chapter 3, and that begins with a new Mishnah, and the new Mishnah really begins on the page 18. We left it for today because it's the new parak, and it's really all, the bulk of it is on uh, daf 19. Seder Ta'aniyot Elu Ha'amor B'Rivi'ah Rishonah. The order of the fasts, right, that we had in chapter one already, right, is listed here. This, like, as you get worse, as you get, as you take on more extreme measures to be um, demonstrating how sincere you are in your, in your piety, in your repentance, and so on, right. The the point here is that it, it only happens, right. That increasing order of severity only takes place if the first rainfall. Doesn't happen. But if you have vegetation, right? Smachim is a uh, plants that they grow, and nothing changes there, right? Because let's say there's a disease or something like that in the plants, so then they do not wait. They cry out immediately. Or what if it did? You did have the first rain, but then it stopped raining, and you had a full forty days of no rain. And likewise, if you don't have that rain for forty days in the middle of rains, meaning the first one happened, and then you don't get another one, or any number of any amount of rain fell, but then you've got forty days of no rain, then they cry out about it right away because then the situation is one of plague or or drought, right? Batzoret. Um, as opposed to, as opposed to it being a year with rain didn't kick in yet, let's say, right? Which I don't think we have a name for that as opposed to drought, but it seems to be a a less immediate concern because you'll wait and you'll see. Will the rain come? And if it does, great. And if not, so then they increase the level of severity. But otherwise, they they jump right in. What if enough rain fell to help, you know, regular plants, vegetation, grasses, whatever, but not enough to really water the trees? Or if it was the right amount for the trees, but not for the vegetation? What happens if enough rain that would fell that it would water the vegetation and also the trees, but it wouldn't fill the cisterns, the ditches, the caves, then also they cry out about about the lack of rain because the the water is needed in all of those cisterns and so on to last them through the summer. What about a city that you know didn't have any rain in that particular city? I'm picturing cartoons, you know, where it rains everywhere but one place. So you'll recall we discussed this before in the context of what happens if it rains in the country in one place but not in another place. So that's the same verse here from Amos, where it says, what if God causes it to rain on one city but not on another city? Well, then the place where it's not raining has good reason to cry out. We have another, this is, by the way, another one of these very long Mishnayot as an introduction to the entire parak of Mishnah, I mean, of the Mishnah here. Ota ha'ir ma so what happens when the city fast cries out, they do the whole show for everything that they're supposed to be doing here. 
and everybody in the surrounding area, meaning the suburbs, let's say, or the country around them, they join in the fast, but they do not cry out. Rabbi Kiva says the opposite. They cry out, but they do not fast. So likewise, a city that has some kind of dever, dever is pestilence. We know this from the Makot of Pesach, the plagues. Um, uh, so that has pestilence or that has some kind of avalanche, collapsing buildings, then the city should fast and cry out, but the people around it, the people who live in the environs around it, they would only fast and not cry out. Rabbi Kiva Merimetri in Volumet, you know, and Rabbi Kiva is consistent, and he says the surrounding people should cry out, but do not fast. Ezu Dever. So now the Mishnah wants to know what's Dever? What are we really talking about when we're talking about pestilence? So this is a description of plague. What happens when you have 500 uh, people, 500 Ragli is um, foot soldiers, meaning these are capable, healthy people, 500 of them. And then three dead are taken out of that 500 on three consecutive days, meaning I think that's nine people, right, who are dead. Um, that is considered dever. Anything that is less than that, a death rate that is lower than that, while terrible, is not considered dever. So these are the, the the bad things that can happen where they'll cry out everywhere. Namely, shidafon um, is blight, right, to the crops. Valyerakon, that's, no, I'm missing one. I'm sorry, what is blight? Then Yerakon is um, if the also with the crops if it's mildew, Velha Arbe, that's locusts, which again we know from the Makot from Pesach. Velachasil, if there's caterpillars. Um, we know in the North America recently had this whole the business with the cicadas, right? So I don't know if cicadas are actually that harmful, but your Dana, maybe you know. But um but locusts, right, that eat all the crops really are. If there's dangerous beasts that come to town, and the sword, meaning what's a sword? It means that there's an invading army from some foreign power. All of these things would have people cry out. This is called a, a, a plague, a calamity that spreads, right? It's something that moves and it, and it, when it reaches your town or your area or your country, that's when you would cry out. Now we've got a nice little story. Not so nice, not so little. The elders left Jerusalem. They went back to their hometowns. And they decreed a fast all over the whole land because in Ashkelon, they saw something that looked like blight. And that was amount, the amount of blight is to fill the mouth of an oven. And they also um, decreed a fast because wolves had eaten two children in um, on the other side of the Yardin, meaning still in the area that's part of under this domain. We're not talking about the modern Israel lines right now. 
Rabbi Yossi Omer, lo al she'achlu el al u. So Rabbi Yossi said, it's not that they ate the children, it's that they were seen, wolves were seen in a place where there, you know, where people lived, which means there's a concern that they could eat children, which is a whole lot better of a story, meaning, and then they fast, and then they daven and make sure that the wolves don't get any children. And then we have a list of things that where people would gather to cry out, or maybe not even not gather, but they would cry out even on Shabbat. If you've got a city that is surrounded by foreign troops, meaning non-Jewish troops, or if you're worried that the river is going to overflow its banks, or a, a sea that is um, you know, in trouble at sea, Rabbi Yossi says you cry out on Shabbat for the sake of getting help, but not for the sake of crying out to God. Meaning if you can cry out and that will provide help, then that's exactly what you're supposed to do. It's not so clear to me that crying out to God for help isn't, isn't crying out for, isn't sa'aka. Meaning the distinction there is an interesting um, discussion in the commentaries. Right? Are we talking about blowing shofar? Are we talking about tefillah? Specifics are not exactly, the specifics of how to do this are not discussed yet at this point. Shimon ha-temani omer, af al-hadever. Shimon the temani timni, sorry, timni. He's not a Yemenite, he's a timnaite. He says, af al-hadever, even on, on Shabbat, you can cry out for the pestilence, meaning presumably crying out to God. But the sages did not agree with him. Meaning, the only thing you could do for pestilence, don't we know it, is cry out for for God to help. So that seems to be different than getting other people involved to come and and help protect against whatever the issue is. Um, and here we still have a marathon Mishnah. Uh, your Dana's your Dana. Just for all of you who are waiting for your Dana's voice, she is going to ch- chime in with the Gemara as we continue on the daf. And every trouble that could fall upon a community, that is where they could cry out. Except for if there's too much rain. If there's too much rain, that could be terrible. But because rain is generally considered to be a sign of blessing, they don't cry out in, in, in complaint at that point. And we've got the story of Chori the circle maker. He's a very famous figure, and we'll talk more about him when his story comes up in the Gemara. Hamid Palel Sheraduk Shamim. He prayed that the that the rain would fall. So what happens? He said to the people around him, "Go and bring ovens, clay ovens, to roast the psachim, the the pesach offerings, so that they won't um, they won't dissolve in the water because there's going to be tremendous rain." And then he prayed, and of course, no rain fell. What did he do? He drew a circle and he stood inside of the circle of Amar Lefanav and he says, Master of the world, Your children have put their faith in me because I am so, from, you know, I'm, it's like a Ben Bayit. I'm somebody who's very comfortable to turn to you, to talk to you before God. So I'm, he takes an oath that he will not move from this circle until um, until God has mercy on his children, it, meaning the people, the Jewish people. So then the rain starts to just drip, to, to, to drizzle. 
אמר לא כך שאלתי, אלא גשמי בורות שיחים, בורות התחילו לירד בזעף. So he says, I, I wasn't asking for a drizzle, I was asking for rain that's going to fill the cisterns and so on to last us through the summer, and then the rains comes down in, in, with a fury. Za'af. Amar lokach sha'alti elegish me ratzon brachav v'nedava. He says, um, I didn't ask for this, either this torrential rain, but rather the kind of rain that is one of ratzon, of willing, of blessing, of generosity. Yerdu ketikdan. And then the rain came down. properly, meaning the way that you want rain to come. Um, until the, there's so much rain that the Jews left the residential areas of Yerushalayim and they went to the Harabait, they went to the Temple Mount because it's a mountain, right? It's a higher hill, which again is a little bit difficult to picture nowadays because it's lower than, our, than the city that we have today. Meaning that area of the, of the old city is lower than a great deal of the surrounding areas of the modern city. Um, so they, they, the people, came to him and said, just as you prayed over the rains that they should fall, now go pray that they should stop, that they should go away. He said to them, go and look if the Evan um, the stone, that's low, there's a large rock in the city, that they would put pro- proclamations, right, about lost and fail and that kind of thing. See if it's been washed away. If it has not been washed away, then it's not yet time to, to pray that the rain would stop. Meaning the, the rain is so dear, so precious, that even if it's coming in such great amounts, the people are going to take refuge in, um, you know, have to evacuate. It's still not something to complain about. Shalach lo shimon b'tshetach. Shimon ben Shetach was the Nasi of the Sanhedrin at that time, and he said to Choni Amagel, Il malei Choni ata gozrina alecha nidui. If you were not Choni, meaning you, the special Choni, then we would put you in cherem. We would ostracize you. Why? Aval ma'a salacha, shata mitchatel ifnei ha-makom, v'oseh lecha retoncha, kiven shehu mitchatel aviv, v'oseh lo retono. But what can we do to you? You bothered God, and he did what you asked, so the same way that a kid, a son, can nag at his father, and then he does what the, son, the father will do what the son wants, which is not the way we think of good parenting these days either. Um, it's a verse from, from Proverbs, from Mishlei, let your father and your mother be glad, and she who bore you should rejoice. This idea being that Choni was a troublemaker a little bit in this relationship with God, but God hearkens to him, which, you know, it's really hard to, to from, a, from a Jewish perspective, Shimon ben Shatach is right. He can't excommunicate the darling of God. So we've got a different case now. Again, they're fasting for rain, and finally the rain comes. It falls. It falls before sunrise. meaning they've planned a fast, right? Or they're in the, in the middle of several days of fast. Lo yeshlimu. But if it starts to rain, then they don't have to complete their fast. They, they don't have to complete their fast, you know, beginning of that day. Lachar netzachama yeshlimu. But if the rain starts after sunrise has already happened, so that it's raining now in the daytime, keep fasting. They're supposed to keep fasting through that day, um, even though it's already raining. So it's not just because, oh, there's rain and you could, and you could go eat. Rebbe Lezer says, it's not about the sunrise point, but what about midday? 
If rain falls before midday, then you don't have to complete your fast. But if the rain happens after midday, meaning noon, I guess, but it's halachic noon, I assume, um, then they do complete their fast. And lastly, finally, right? So it happened that this this is exactly what happened. They declared a fast for rain in the city of Lod, and the and then the rain did fall, and it was before chatzot, before before midday. So Rabbi Tarfon says to them, "Go eat, drink, you eat, drink, and be merry." Right? Make today a festive day. And so they did all that. And then in the afternoon, after they'd eaten and so on, they came to Shul and they said, Halel Hagadol. Um, the the Thilim that says, it's a long list of things to praise God for. And, and after each line, it says, They would say, This Halel Hagadol, this great praising of God in, in, in gratitude, right? And praise for the rain that has fallen. Yardena, over to you. Wow. Okay. I am here, everybody. Also about the cicadas. They're not dangerous. So just for the sake of time, I'm just going to point out a couple of, this will be a little bit more of an Ann episode. <laughs> put it up. Um, but we'll get back to Choni Hamaga when we get to Davkaf Gimel, which has a little bit of a different version of the story. And I think that, you know, then we'll spend time sort of really deep diving into that story and comparing the two, because it is a very important story um, that I think has a lot of theological questions that we need to talk about. Um, I just want to point to a couple things here from the Gemara itself. Uh, one starts on the bottom of Amad Aleph, um, which uh, talks about um, a little bit the idea of like, what exactly are we praying for, especially when sort of we're balancing out uh, the idea that if it rains, maybe crop will be saved, or did we pass a point of no return? Amar Rav Nachman, Dafta Nishkanu, Aval Yavshu Lo. So Rav Nachman says that this whole thing about, you know, when referring the paragraph before uh, is talking about, you know, when do we start praying, right? If the, if, uh, if we have rain that fell, you know, after the first rain, but people sowed their plants, but they didn't sprout, or maybe they sprouted a little bit, but something that like the, they, they, the appearance of the sprouts change, they're allowed to cry, and then Rav Nachman says, it's only if their appearance changed. But if they dried out, they don't because they, right? Because why? Right? So it says it's obvious because the, the Mishnah says it changed. Now, what Rav Nachman's really saying here is that you can't pray for something that dried out because it's dried. It's not going to come back. And what I find fascinating about this is, is I think this is exactly the balance of what all Masachatani is about. On the one hand, we believe in the power of prayer, but on the other hand, the Mishnah, the language of the Mishnah and Rav Nachman's pointing out is, we also have a natural world to respect. And at some point, it's just going to be, you know, too far gone. It's not going to actually be reversible. And therefore, we wouldn't cry out in that way, right? So it says, no, it's necessary. Rav Nachman had to say this thing about, you know, this case, because we're talking about where it made stalks, like it, somehow the plants can dry out, but there will still be stalks. So you might say, okay, maybe when it makes the stalks after it dried out, this is significant, right? In other words, it shows that maybe the crops could be saved through prayer. Rav Nachman is saying, no, that's totally not the case. It's not going to be able to be saved. So uh, again, 
we believe in the power of prayer, but we're also saying, or Nachman saying it very explicitly, we still have to look around what what we see, and you know, if it if it if the if the laws of nature are basically saying this cannot be saved by rain, that's not something that we would cry out for. Um, okay, the chain So, and I think that's saying that somehow rain is not sort of some sort of miracle that's going to happen. It's more that I think we're praying that what should happen in the natural world happens painlessly and in a way that's helpful to us. And I think we see that throughout this stuff, because a lot of what the Gemara talks about here is, you and the Mishnah, really, it's based on the Mishnah, is the idea of having rain that only hurts, you know, is only good for the trees, or is only good for the vegetables, or rain where the cisterns fill up, or rain where the doesn't fill up. That, in other words, it's not just that we want rain, we want rain that's good. And keep this also in mind when we go back to the story of Honi Hamagal. Then the Gemara goes on, uh, right? So the Mishnah talks about that if there's rain that stopped for 40 days, right? So the Gemara says, what is actually drought? Right? So what it means is, right? What, what does it mean by a plague of drought, right? Why does it just say drought? So Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav, it's, it's, it, when we talk about this period of 40 days between one rainfall, right? It's a plague that could cause drought, right? Rav Nachman says it's when crops basically don't grow one place because of rain and have to be imported from one river to another. So that's, that's what drought would be. In other words, that like you just can't grow anything. You have to bring water from an outside source. Batsurata, that's batsurata, excuse me, that's drought. Medinata a medinata kafna. Right? Or let's say produce has to be brought from one province to another, kafna, that's famine. But I'm a, a Rabbi Hanina, right? Rabbi Hanina says, say, Rabbi Hanina says, if it's say of grain is sold for its sella, right? But it's available, right? This is also considered to be drought. In other words, even though the prices are high, there's still grain for those who, afford, who can afford it. But that's, so that's still considered to be drought. But if it's for say of grain is sold for a cellar, right, and it's not available, kafna, then this is considered to be famine. So there's a difference between what a drought is and what a famine is. So drought seems to be that the prices are high. Famine is, is that the food's just not available. And then finally, They taught all of this when money was cheap and everyone has it and produce is expensive. But let's say money is expensive. In other words, everybody in general is poor, but there's there's plenty of food to go around. Food is cheap, right? That we cry out immediately. That's also considered to be a famine because the idea is people can't actually afford to buy food. So I think that's also interesting here. It's not just about lack of food, but it's the economic ability to purchase it. Um, and I think about that a lot in today's world. There's certainly plenty of food around, but the issue that we have is there are people who suffer famine because they simply just don't have access to that food. The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan said, Nihirna kad habu kaime arba'asi in basela, bahabu nifshi nifchei kifim b'tveria mitlet isa. So he says he remembers once where there was four say of produce were sold for one sela, right? So in other words, it was very cheap, but yet many people were swollen by famine in Tveria because they didn't have one isar, they didn't have any money to buy food at all. And so I think we're seeing a bunch of different things that you can have an abundance of food available, but yet you could still live in a time of, of famine. And unfortunately, I think we've seen that in our 
world as well. And then finally, on Ahmed Bet, I just want to get to one thing. Um, uh, here, uh, just just because this has to do with the Shemitah year, they sound the alarm over the trees over the six years of the of the sabbatical cycle. In other words, when we're actually allowed to work the ground, out, right? But we, in other words, but we wouldn't do it on the Shemitah year because you're not really allowed to plant trees or grow them or do anything. But if the cistern stitches and caves are not filled, right, even on a sabbatical year, we would sound that alarm. But Rav Shimon Ben Gamliel says, no, even on a Shemitah year, we would sound that alarm on the Ilanot. Because it serves as sustenance for the poor. Because remember, anything that grows is considered to be ownerless and poor people can still come and take that food. And then we have a similar teaching, right? It was taught in another bright, so they sound the alarm over the trees during other years of the sabbatical year, meaning the sixth year. Just the same thing as we talked before, but for the cistern stitches and caves, even on the Shvi'it year. But Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, even for trees, right? Um, they sound the, the alarm for aftergrowths, right? Uh, on the Shvi'at year, because the Aniyim uh, can use that food and therefore we still need it. We still need it to grow. Um, so I think this stuff, you know, just has a lot of good information about sort of our observation of the natural world and what exactly it is that, that, that we're praying for when we pray for these things. And even the idea that on a Shvi'at year, we still wanna pray, we still need growth, even though we can't necessarily work the land because we're still concerned about people being able to eat and Shvi'at still provides us some food. Wow, see, both of us. With that, we will conclude our daf of the day. Thank, uh, thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get a, your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.